That's right. You have to. What are they specifically wanting to add to the gospel? Circumcision. And if you don't add circumcision, because that's the sign of the covenant. Does any of you know how where the Bible first talks about circumcision as a sign of the covenant, sign of being right with God? Genesis. But who was it that God told to first start circumcising? Abraham. Abraham. God made promises to Abraham. And he said, you're going to be my people. Your descendants are going to be my people and I'm going to be your God. And here's the sign that you know that it's going to come to pass. We're going to start circumcising all the males that are born. And that's going to be the sign of the covenant. And so that's where it started. And then carried through the rest of the rest of the Old Testament. So Paul is going to uh, the first two chapters of of Galatians that we looked at so far were Paul making the case for his being an apostle. Uh, He made the case uh, somewhat about the gospel and how you can't add to it. But chapter three and chapter four are going to be really him giving you the arguments as to why the gospel is the you know, it's the only truth of God and you can't add to it. If you add to any, any work that you do, anything that you try to accomplish, even something as small as circumcision, then you have destroyed the gospel. And this is where he starts calling them, kind of calling them names, calling them stupid twice. Uh, is stupid? Yeah, well, foolish. Foolish. Uh, no, I think that's a different word. I was going to say I thought that was where we get the word moron from, but that's, that's a different word. Uh, foolish Galatians, and then in, chat, in verse 3, he says, are you so foolish? Um, so let me just read the first five verses. He, he's going to appeal. He makes three different arguments in this section we're going to look at. Number one, he appeals to their experience. If they're truly Christians, if you're truly a Christian, you experience the Holy Spirit. He came into your heart. He came into your life. He changed you. You know, those things come with conversion. So he's going to appeal to them saying, you know, you receive the Spirit by faith, not by doing works of the law. So he's going to appeal to that. The second thing, he's going to appeal to their history. He's going to show them, he's going to show them that even Abraham received uh salvation, redemption, whatever you want to call it, by faith and not by the works of the law. And then finally, when we get to the end, he's going to start quoting Old Testament scriptures, proving his point. So let's just start the first five verses. It says, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. He says, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like it's almost like you guys are acting so crazy that somebody had to put a spell on you. You know, it's, I'm not not sure whether he's really thinking somebody put a spell on him, like it's demonic activity or something, or he's just saying you guys are acting so dumb, thinking that you're being perfected in the flesh when you came to him in the spirit. It's almost like, I mean, you're bewitched or something like that. He says, when I was there, I, I preached the gospel to you so that you saw Jesus Christ crucified. It wasn't that they were there. At Calvary when he was crucified, he said, but he said, I set forth the cross. I set forth the gospel before your eyes. He said, are you so foolish who's bewitched you? And he said, verse two says, this is the one thing that I want. I want to know. He said, the one thing I would, the only, this only would I learn of you. He said, received you the spirit. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? What's the answer to the question? Hearing with faith. It's talking about believing. Believing the gospel. You did not receive the Spirit 
by working, by obeying, you received it by faith. And as we go down through verse 14, we're going to see that the Spirit is the fulfillment of all the promises that the Old Testament pointed toward. So what he's going to say basically is that you have the fulfillment of the promise already in your possession by faith. Why are you going back to the things that pointed toward the fulfillment when the fulfillment has already come? That's basically going to be his argument. And so we'll apply that to our own lives here in a minute. But let's just keep reading for the moment. It says, are you so foolish? He says, having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect in the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain if it be in vain? Um, and then lastly, verse 5 says, He therefore that ministereth, there's, uh, God is ministering among you right now, uh, the Spirit, and works miracles among you. Does He do it by works of the law or by hearing with faith? So the things that He says are, number one, how did you get into this deal in the first place? How did you receive the Spirit? Was it, was it by working and doing good? Of course it wasn't. Because when God received you, when he, you became a son, daughter of Christ, uh, you had nothing good to offer. I mean, you probably remember it just in your own life when there was, if you truly came to Christ, you came understanding that you have nothing good to offer God and that you're reaching out to Him with, uh, with faith, uh, with nothing to offer, hoping to receive the gift of a king, calling out to Him to save you and to give you righteousness. And at that moment, at that time, you receive the Spirit. Incidentally, just a side note, this kind of puts to bed that whole view that uh, you can be saved and then later on receive the Spirit like second blessing kind of thing. That kind of puts that that kind of puts that out of the water really because Paul is asking when you got saved he said how did you receive the spirit and that's the point that you receive the spirit at the moment that you're converted and so that's just a that doesn't have anything to do with this text but that's just a little side note there <clears throat> he says right now Remember, they're going back to the law. They're going to. They're saying Jesus is good and Jesus is right, and we can trust Him. And He's the Messiah. But if we're going to maintain our status as children of God, then you got to do these things too. You got to add circumcision. You got to add working to the law, and that's what Paul is railing against. He's saying, "Are you so stupid? Are you so dumb that you think that you began this journey in the Spirit?" And now you think you're adding to it in the flesh, working, but with your own hands, working with your own might, working with your own strength. Do you all understand what he's saying? The same way that you come into this gospel by faith is the way that you live out this gospel. The same way that you come into the Christian life is the way that you live the Christian life. It's by grace through faith. Every day when you... Uh, I've had conversations with people that say, you know what, I just, they, people that doubt their salvation or, or have trouble with the assurance of, that comes with salvation, you know, they'll say, you know, I just don't think I believe enough. And the reality is, we've talked about that last week, of course you don't believe enough, you know. If you believed enough to be, enough to be saved or whatever, then you wouldn't have any room to grow. You know, your faith is going to be growing every day that you live, as long as you live, all the years of your life. Your faith in God is going to grow and grow. Ten years 
from now, your faith is going to be a whole lot greater than it is today. And you're going to grow in your repentance. You know, there, there, there's going to be things 10 years from now, 15, 20, 30 years from now that you're going to do, that you're going to repent of, that you're going to, God's going to reveal sin in your life and all these things are going to uh, be so. And so you're going to grow in faith and repentance. But we never, ever can think that... That we are adding to what Jesus did for us on the cross. So, simplify just these five verses. What we're saying is, what he's saying is, when you came to Christ by faith, you were made perfect in God the Father's eyes. Everybody got that? It's utter foolishness and it makes Jesus look small if you think that you can add to that perfection by just doing some kind of work or bribing God, trying to do something in order to gain your righteousness. Everybody understand that, what he's saying? He's pointing to there. He's saying, look, look how you got into this thing. You came into this thing by the Spirit. You came into this thing by faith and you received the Spirit. Look at how you're, Look at how it's working out in your assembly right now. The one that's working miracles among you, the one that's ministering among you right now, is he doing so by the works of the law or is he doing so by faith? When you have a need and you come to service and prayer, when you come to the altar and prayer, when you come to uh, the fellowship to, you know, need to be encouraged, need help, need whatever, do you come to Christ with your need, with your concern on the basis of, wow, I am really good and you owe me, you know, because I've been so good and therefore I'm going to call out to you to fix the situation. Therefore, you, you know, you, you, I deserve it because I've done. No, you call out to God in the same faith that you came to God in the beginning. Does that make sense? Humbly. So, yeah, humbly. But believe said, you know, you, you call out to him and he works miracles among you, uh, not by the works of the law, but by hearing with faith. And so Paul is trying to get these people to realize that you cannot add not even the smallest thing to the gospel. And if you do that, I was going to say if you do do that, <laughs> if you do that, then you have destroyed the gospel and Jesus is no longer, uh, Jesus is not, not affected for you. That's what he said at the, in the end of chapter 2 was uh, Jesus died in vain if you think that he isn't good enough to uh, secure your righteousness. Y'all understand that? Is any questions? This is really, really important that you understand. Not just from a biblical perspective but in your own life. It, it, you need to understand because there are going to be times when you do wonderful things for the Lord. There are going to be times when you do really stupid things in your own flesh. And you need to know that your righteousness comes from Jesus Christ. You're not adding to it when you do great. And you're not taking away from it when you do, when you do evil. Uh, when, you do do, uh, when you do evil, you have a spirit inside of you that will convict you. So if you're running off doing evil going, we need to talk about salvation because something's really missing. So, but the person who has that conviction, that has that feeling of, I've, you know, hurt God, you know, has the correction of the Holy Spirit, that person, um, they can be convicted and feel bad about their sin and you're supposed to be, but that, 
that bad feeling, that conviction doesn't throw us off into the ditch of despair. You see what I mean? Because we know that I'm not right with God because I'm doing so good in the first place. I'm not right. I never was right with God because I'm performing so well. I'm right with God because of what Jesus did on the cross and my trust and faith in that. Does that make sense? You've got to have that in your life because if, if not, you're going to get thrown back and forth between those two ditches when you go out and, and, and you know, work your fingers to the bone for God, you're going to be thinking, wow, I'm adding to what, you know, adding to my standing. And that's not, that's going to throw you into a spiral when it, when you realize that that's not the way it is. Uh, when you go and you sin or do something stupid, you're going to say, well, God don't love me anymore. No, that's not true because my righteousness is in Jesus Christ. It's not in anything that I'm doing. You've got to have that balance. And if, if we add anything to the gospel or take anything from the gospel, we destroy the gospel. And that's what Paul, that's why he's fighting so hard. I mean, it's not like I can see people today, which they'd be saying, you know what, Paul, you're taking this whole thing a little serious. I mean, it's not that big a deal. Can't we all just get along? Can't we just agree and just disagree? You know, there's some things that we can do that on like end time stuff or whatever, house all going to whatever. You know what? If we disagree, you know, more power to you. Knock yourself out, whatever. But the gospel is not one of those issues. We, we can't. Uh, Paul would be a hate monger today. If he walked into a church and said, you guys are corrupting the gospel. Y'all are whatever. They, Paul, they, Paul, you're just so intolerant. You're so intolerant and hateful, they would run him out. But there are, yeah, it'd be very politically incorrect. Can you imagine a preacher walking around in a church going, are you guys that stupid that you think? Uh, they'd probably can him the first week. But uh, Paul was that way. So they've, he, 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 in verses 1 through 5, he looks to their experience. And you look to yours. When you came to Christ, you weren't, you didn't have anything to offer. You weren't, had, hadn't had any good works whatsoever. And we have a tendency now that now that I'm a Christian, you know, I've got good works under my belt. I've got some fruit that I'm producing that, that God is doing in me. We have a tendency to look with pride on those things and say, you know what? I'm doing really good. When the reality is that you came, the same way you came into this thing is the way that you stand in it. Does that make sense? Any questions? Comments or cries of outrage? Nothing? I must be doing a great job then, huh? Okay. Uh, so, verses 6 through 9, he's going to appeal to Israel's history. Now, you need to stop me if I'm going... I, this is a subject that I, I really enjoy about how the whole Bible works together, how it's all put together, and how Abraham and Israel is... The, the church is the fulfillment of all the promises to the, you know, so if it, if it gets to where, if something you don't understand, if I get to moving fast or whatever, just stop me. Uh, Paul is going to make the case, the, the point of the Judaizers, the point of the Jewish guys was, look, we God made promises to Abraham, and those promises cannot be annulled. Therefore, if you want to be right with God, you have to be children of Abraham. And in order to be children of Abraham, you got to be circumcised, have the sign of the covenant. That 
that was the argument. So what Paul's going to do in verses 6 through 9 is he's going to take all that apart and he's going to show you that we as believers in Jesus Christ, whether we're Jewish or Gentile, male, female, slave or free, we are the children of Abraham that that promise was made to. We're the ones that receive the promise that Abraham was promised all those years ago in Genesis. Okay? That makes sense? The church is the fulfillment of all the promises that were made to Abraham. Got it? Verse 6 says, Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, he says, Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. That's pretty straightforward, isn't it? Those who believe. Believe in what? The gospel. The gospel. Believe in Jesus Christ is what he's talking about. Those who are of faith, those ones are the children of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith. Who were the heathen? The Gentiles. The Gentiles. That's us, unless you're Jewish. That he would justify the heathen through faith. It preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. Now, anybody remember, we've talked about this before. Anybody remember what the promise made to Abraham was? What did God promise Abraham? All Israel. He promised what? All Israel, the land. He promised land. He promised what else? Great nations would come from him. And promised that he would, through him, the world would receive a would receive would receive a blessing. The world would be blessed. That's what he promised. Now, when it says that through him the world would be blessed, Paul takes that and he says that is the gospel. Uh, through him, and we've talked about that before. Uh, through Abraham, the world would be blessed. Why is it through Abraham? Why, if the world is blessed through Jesus Christ, how is that through Abraham? Because it's his great, 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 great grandson. That's right. That's right. So it was. Paul is saying here that the promise made to Abraham that all the world would be blessed through him is the promise of the gospel. The promise that Jesus Christ would come and he would save the world. Jew and Gentile, he would save everyone alike. It says the scriptures, the Bible, foreseeing that God would justify, which means declare righteous, the heathen, the Gentiles, all those nations out there, anybody who's not Israel, the scripture foresaw that God would justify all those heathen nations. And so it preached the gospel to Abraham. And that gospel was that through you, all the world would be blessed. And so it says at the very at the very end of uh, verse 9, it says, So then, therefore, understanding this, it says, They which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. And then he goes from 10 to 14, he, he quotes a bunch of different scriptures. But do you see, we're going to read those, but do you see what he's saying here? He's saying that you cannot come in here and say that we have to go back to the Old Testament law, that we have to go back to the law of Moses, that we have to go back to circumcision and, and all those things, because the whole 
purpose of this, the whole purpose of the Old Testament, the whole purpose of God coming to Abraham, the whole purpose of, of all of this stuff that's gone on before, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, all the purpose of all of these things was to bring forth the gospel, to bring forth the Son of God through that line of Abraham, through the line of David, to bring forth that Son who would bring the whole world into relationship with God. Does that make sense? Think of it this way. This is, I'm going to use these big old, what do you call it? It's in that purse. It's a tote. Okay. Damn, what you got in here? What are you looking for? I don't know. There's something. Money. There ain't no money here. Some junk in here. Okay, look. I'll use this. Okay. This represents Israel, God's people, right? <laughs> Y'all nod your head or something, okay? If this is Israel, you got to be in. You got to be. You got to be in here to be God's child. Got it? Israel. This is God's people, chosen, come from Abraham, all that kind of stuff, right? Okay, so God has His people, Israel. Okay, so what He does is, only these people are children of God. And so what He does is, He he brings forth His Son. His Son comes and takes on flesh. And now, I wish I had something bigger, but just pretend this was another tote. This is, is all the people who are in Jesus Christ. Okay, whether they're Jew or Gentile. And so what He does is, instead of bringing you, He takes all these people... And he puts them into, in Jesus Christ, he puts them into his people. So what we're doing is we're coming into Jesus Christ, which makes us part of his people. Does that make sense? Well, that, like you're taking away my specialness. Yeah, I, the, there were a lot. The, what we got to remember, though, is you're exactly right. A lot of them were mad. They were, you know, you probably doesn't hear that quite it's often, a but you. Yeah, they they were upset because they were. They had always been, and I'm, I'm stereotyping, I'm generalizing, it may not have always been this way, but they were upset because they were the people of God, and the problem with, the, the problem with their thinking in the time of Jesus was that uh, they, they believed themselves to be people of God just because of who they were descended from, because I'm from the line of whatever, whatever, you know, son of, son of, son of, son of. So going back to that. You know, women can't be circumcised. So back then, were you a part of Israel if the head of your household was circumcised? Mm -hmm. So that goes back to today. I mean, we can't get in by anybody else but Jesus Christ. So people are doing all of that. And if we went back to circumcision, that means, does that mean that women and... Well, circumcision was a sign of the covenant. And right, but that's the one individual gets circumcised. How does well, all the males would get circumcised. Right, but I'm talking about in your household. In your household, yeah. What about all the girls? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Y'all just got lucky, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just a that Yeah, your household. The in the in the. I want to say in those days, but. The spokesman of the house was the head of the house, and and all the all the males among it were circumcised, 
and the women were part of the family of those who were circumcised. That makes sense. You're getting to the point of what Paul is trying to get to. And the point is that this has always been about faith. It's always been. Even from, that's his point is, you can't say, well, I'm descended from Abraham, therefore I'm part of God's people. No, Abraham was justified by faith. It said Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. So if you go all the way back to Abraham, what he's saying is you guys are missing the point. And that's what the point I was making by the Jews in Jesus' day, they had begun thinking, you know, it's all good. We're, we're God's people, therefore we can, you know, just whatever. We, uh, we're, we're right before God because we're Jewish and we have the law and we but keep the law and all like these things. Today. There, there are many that do. She was she was Samaritan. Right, she didn't have a head of the household. You know, she had she knew numerous men, so that does well, with how uh, the I mean But she was in the in the Jewish mindset the woman at the well was part of the people of God. She was Samaritan, she was a half breed. So uh, she wouldn't have been considered but Jesus said yes absolutely yes Jesus saved her anyway yeah oh no you're right and we know that Jesus brought in the new era and that's the problem is the Galatians are going back to the old but what Paul is doing here is he's making the argument that even back in Abraham's day Salvation was by grace through faith. And those of us who come to the gospel in faith, we are the children of Abraham. You remember when the Pharisees came to John the Baptist and John the Baptist said, don't say that you're good because you're children of Abraham. God can raise up these rocks to be children of Abraham if he wants to. Um, That was the point. Uh, When Zacchaeus, little wee Zacchaeus was saved, Jesus said, truly today he has become a son of Abraham. Uh, What he's saying is that we are the inheritors of the Abrahamic promise if we trust in Jesus. Does that make sense? Through faith. By grace, through faith. Not through works. And so he is saying, these guys are coming in saying, hey, you can't do away with God's promise to Abraham. Therefore, you all have to be circumcised. You can't just say, well, we believe in Jesus and and say that God accepts us that way. No, God made promises to Abraham. And in order for those promises to be kept, we know God doesn't lie. God doesn't go back on his word. You all have to be circumcised like God told Abraham. And Paul is saying, no, Abraham was saved by faith. And everyone who comes to God in faith is truly a child of Abraham, regardless of circumcision, regardless of nationality, regardless of uh, ethnicity, regardless of, of any of that stuff. Does that make sense? And I know David, the, the friend that acquaintance that, that I know that's Jewish, he would make comments to us when we would try to present the gospel to him. Of course, they don't study the New Testament at all. Right. And, you know, he said that their righteousness and their salvation come through the line of Abraham. Right. You know, they don't account, because Abraham was counted for righteousness. He said, I am too. And that's all he thought he needed. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what, and that was what 
the people that were coming into the church in Galatia were saying. They were saying, if you want to be God's people. Now, the problem with them was they were also saying Jesus was the Messiah. Jesus is, you know, he is the way, the truth, and the life. But he is not all that you need. You have to have this one other thing. You become part of the people of God by circumcision and you understand the law and the way it was given and all that kind of stuff. You do that and you have Jesus too. You are part of the people of God. And the the instructive thing for us is, you know, like I said, nobody's probably going to walk into this class and say, okay, if y'all want to be right with God, y'all need to be circumcised and let's all get... Nobody's going to do that. But there are people all over the world, people all in your family that are going to add to what you have to do to be saved and say, you know what, Jesus is not enough. There's going to be times that your own heart is going to say, you know what, uh, I, I've failed and God can't love me and you need to be able to preach the gospel to yourself and say, no, Jesus is all that I need. Jesus is all that I need for my righteousness. Trusting in him is all I need for to be right with God. It, you know, it doesn't matter. Uh, it, my, I don't want to say my performance doesn't matter, but when I say that, I'm assuming that you have a spirit, the spirit inside of you that's going to discipline you and chastise you. And when that happens, if we're not grounded in the gospel, we'll go to thinking, I'm not right before God anymore. You know, but don't you I'm, think that's where Satan plants that seed of doubt? Maybe so. Maybe so. Um, yeah. The, the idea that you... I think it would be a good thing that he would want you to always be worried about yourself rather than be worried about somebody else. Does that make sense? Yeah. So if you're walking around going... You know, if you're walking around in despair or walking around whatever, you know, saying, you know, I just can't get myself right. I can't do right. What You're focused inward and you're no good to nobody else. You're not being used by God to minister to anybody else. You're not an instrument of his. You're you're just focusing on yourself and always trying to get your get your deal right. But when you trust in Jesus's righteousness, when you trust in him and him alone and you got it nailed down and you know that, you know, I am right, not because of what I've done. But because of what he did in me, then you're freed. And we're going to talk about that next week. You're freed from the law, not in order to break the law, but in order to live for God. Because you're free now. You don't have to worry. You know, a a child that's always walking on eggshells in the house because he's scared daddy's going to throw him out and, you know, not be my daddy anymore. He's always walking around tiptoeing, hoping that he doesn't break the wrong thing or do the wrong thing or whatever so he don't lose uh, his status in the house, but a child that knows he's, that's my dad whether you like it or not, nothing's ever going to change that, you know, he's free to have joy and to run around and do whatever, you know what I'm saying, he's he's free to live, you know, and so we need to understand that through the gospel, we're free to live, we're free to live for God, uh, we have a new desire in our hearts that desires to live for God. We want to keep God's commandments. We want to keep God's law. And we're free to do that without the condemnation of the law hanging over our head. Does that make sense? We're not walking around hoping God's going to lightning bolt me if I mess up or if I do something wrong. We're not worried that, you know, if I don't walk in a perfectly straight line today, uh, God's going to throw me out of the kingdom or whatever. We don't have to have that fear. We don't have a spirit of fear anymore. 
Therefore, we have a spirit of love and power and sound mind because He has put it in us that we are His children. He has given us that righteousness and He has basically taken the, the cloud of condemnation that hung over our heads. He's taken that off and now we're free to live live for Him. That makes sense? See? And that's what they had a problem with. Um, let me just do these last four verses and we'll get out of here. It says... Uh, these last from 10 to 14 you may not have may not have realized this but Paul is just quoting Old Testament passages over and over again to make his point uh, if somebody wants to look them up real quick you can read them if not don't worry about it it says verse 10 says uh, for as many as are of the works of the law for as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all the things which are written in the book of the law to do them. That's Deuteronomy 27, 26 that he just quoted. And so what he's saying is, if, you're, if you think that you're justified by the law, then you're under a curse because the, the law says that cursed is everyone who doesn't continue in all. The things that the law. You can't just keep one law and think you've done it. You've got to keep all the law perfectly from the moment that you are born to the moment that you die. You can't start today and say, I'm going to do better from today on. No, you, you had to have started when you were born and never broken the law. If you're going to be righteous before God by your own works, they have to be absolutely 100% perfect. And if they're not perfect, if they're not, if you don't continue in all the things of the law, then it says that you are under a curse. That's what the law says in Deuteronomy. And it says, verse 11 says, But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, for the just shall live by faith. That's one of Paul's favorite sayings. He quotes it three times in the New Testament. Uh, it's actually a quote from Hosea, or I mean Habakkuk, Habakkuk 2.4. The just shall live by faith. What does it mean to be just? Perfect. Well, it means righteous, yeah. The, those who are righteous are the ones who are living by faith. Does that make sense? The ones who are righteous before God are those who live by faith. Um, it, uh, it, 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 he contrasts it with the next verse. It says, and the, law, uh, and the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. That's Leviticus 18.5. So what he's saying is, the righteous people from Habakkuk, now this is all Old Testament, the righteous people live by faith. It says those that are think that their righteousness is found in the law is going to have to live by the law. See what I mean? And so what he's saying is you're either righteous because you live by faith in the Son of God or you think you're righteous because you're keeping the law, but you've got to keep it perfectly. You're either living by faith or you're living by the law. Does that make sense? You can't have, it's either one or the other. There's no, he, he's separating the people. He's separating all the, Christ, the Christians in Galatia and all the people that are coming into the church trying to get them to add things. He's separating. He says, you are either living by the gospel of faith or you're living by the law. One of the two. You can't say, well, I, I'm 90% I'm gospel, but I believe you got to have that 10% of that. No, you're living by the law. You get in this group. Uh, you can't say, you know, well, I believe the gospel and I trust the gospel, but I just think that you got to add the one one little thing. So that makes me majority gospel. I'm, you know, 75% gospel. No, you're all law. Go get in with it. He says you either live by the gospel of faith or you live by the law. And last verse, and then we'll go. It says, 
that the blessing, in, or no, verse 13, two more verses, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. And how did He do that? He was made a curse for us. And it is, and here he quotes again, um, Deuteronomy, this is Deuteronomy 21, 23. He says, because it's written, uh, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. That was a law written in, in Deuteronomy 21. It was, it was for Israel. But have you ever noticed that the New Testament writers go out of their way to say that Christ was hung on a tree? I mean, they, we know that He was hung on a cross, but over and over, I, I wrote just these passages. Um, in Acts 5.30, it says, The God of our fathers, this is, uh, uh, I think it's Peter speaking. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you slew and hanged on a tree. That's Acts 5.30. 1 Peter 2.24 says, Who His own self bore our sin in His own body on the tree. In Acts 13, 29, it says, And when they had fulfilled all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a sepulcher. You ever wonder why they make a they why sometimes they say cross, sometimes they say tree? They were equating this to this verse in Deuteronomy. They were saying, Look, Jesus became a curse for you. He became a curse because if a man's hung on a tree, that means he's cursed. And so Jesus became the curse of the law for us. And for the, you don't really realize how offensive that would be. Is it time to go already? It is time to go. That would be offensive. And I, I want to say this. It, I better not say it. Anyway, verse 14 says, last one. And the reason why he was hung on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. The promise of Abraham, the blessing of Abraham, comes to the Gentiles through what? Faith in what? In Jesus Christ. The whole Bible is your story. From Genesis, Abraham, all the way to Jesus Christ. That's your forefathers. That's your ancestors. That's your people. The people of God. Make sense? Okay, any questions? All right, let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you so much for...